The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. I will not wear the mask. 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 I will not wear a mask. I will not get the vaccine. I will not get the vaccine. And I will not get the vaccine. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust, and I will not be afraid. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day. For the Lord is the great God, and the great King above all. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked chime? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of this I hate the work of those who follow it. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall stand. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmonious sound. For you, O Lord, have made me glad through your works. I will triumph in the works of your name. are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. I will defy tyrants. 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 And with that, good morning, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people. All the boat rockers who are in the house and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State. Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown. I'm not coming to you live today. We're pre-recording due to the time restraints of our guests that we have here uh, that we're excited to have on uh, this morning. But I am coming to you from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina. And I'm the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com for our Muslim friends. I'm the infidel that Allah warned you about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the Word of God. I'm glad that you guys have joined us here this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so. SonsOfLibertyRadio.com and also SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio, you can scroll down on the right side of the page, and you will see in this section over here, we are going to be live right now while we're pre-recording. Bradley's live. He comes on at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Central. You can catch him there, but if you're watching... By way of Red State Talk Radio, and you jump over to SonsLibertyMedia.com, you click on that, you can enlarge it, that's right, you can see the face is made for radio, and you can also 
click on to the platform and join us in the chat as well. We'd love to have you there. Lots of friends in the chat there. Also, while you're there, subscribe to our newsletter. We don't email, we don't spam you, we don't uh, rent your email out, we don't sell it to anybody. You get one email from us a day, that's it. That includes the morning show, by the way, the archive that I put in. So all of the links, anything that we talk about, our guest website and his book, uh, links to his books and things will be in there as well as anything else we may mention in the midst of this, so you'll have it all in one place. And then finally, if you support our message, again, we don't ask you for money. We tell you that we have needs because it costs money to do all the things that we do, whether it's a radio, whether it's Internet, or whether it's being out there among the people in the 50 states. All that does cost money. So if you would like to partner with us and, and help us meet those needs, we've got a donate button at sonslibertymedia.com. And also you can partner with us as a son or daughter of Liberty, which is a monthly donor uh, at sonslibertymedia.com as well. And then we have our store. You can pick up products in there. Are great conversation starters, T-shirts, hats, coffee mugs, water bottles, you name it. And then we've got some things, uh, obviously, to help equip you in the sphere of ministry that God has put you in wherever you're at. Uh, in the United States, or even around the world, by the way. Uh, we, we offer all those things for that. Now, with that said, we're going out in a lot of different video platforms now, and, uh, of course, on Red State Talk Radio. So, guys, be sure to check us out on those, especially our new channel on Rumble, Sons of Liberty Radio Live. Sons of Liberty Radio Live, one word, on Rumble. You can find us there. Now, with that said... About a week or so, about a week or two ago, we had Thomas DiLorenzo on. Uh, he's been on before, and I always love listening to Dr. DiLorenzo because I, you know, I'm a Southern boy. I, I confess that even in the Southern schools, which were basically forced on the South by the North after the War of Northern Aggression, um, I was not taught the things that DiLorenzo writes. Okay, I was not taught those things. I had to unlearn things I was taught about Lincoln because I, I was always taught Lincoln was the great greatest guy in this and the other. So when you hear uh, Dr. DiLorenzo express the history, the real history, it comes alive and you begin to understand why certain things are the way they are today. Now with that said, I had lined up Don Jeffries to come on uh, the show and to be with me at this time because he has written a lot of things that have sort of pull back the mask that, that the tyrants and such have, have pulled over history and revealed to us a lot of things that are history. And let me give him a proper introduction, and we'll bring him on. Donald Jeffries began researching the JFK assassination as a teenager in the mid-1970s, working as a volunteer with Mark Lane's Citizen Committee of Inquiry. His novel, The Unreals, was lauded by the likes of multi-award-winning author Alexander Thoreau and Night at the Museum screenwriter R. Ben Garrett. His first nonfiction book, Hidden History, an expose of modern crimes, conspiracies, and cover-ups in American politics, was lauded by everyone from international peace mom Cindy Sheehan to Roger Stone. His other books are Survival of the Richest, How the Corruption of the Marketplace and the Disparity of Wealth Created the Greatest Conspiracy of All, Crimes and Cover-Ups in American Politics, 1776 to 1963, with a forward by Ron Paul, and Bullyocracy, How the Social Hierarchy Enables Bullies to Rule Schools. So, Don, with that said, welcome to the Sons of Liberty, man. Oh, thanks for having me. I like your name, too, Sons of Liberty. That was the name of a... Uh 
a very subversive uh, book outlet back in the uh, 70s and 80s before the internet. I used to order some material from them. Ah, okay, okay. Yeah, it's also tied back into our own history, our founding fathers there. Exactly. They call themselves (laughs) Liberty. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, listen, here's the thing. I was, we had Dr. Sherry Tenpenny on the show. And uh, after the interview, she said, hey, would you come do a happy hour with me? And I didn't know what a happy hour with her was. Uh, but it's where you come in and you expound the scriptures for a little bit and you have a little you know, conversation back and forth about a particular subject. So I was getting ready to do that and I was learning how to do the Instagram thing because I don't do the Instagram thing. I got an account, but I don't do it. And uh, when I went in there to test it with uh, her assistant, you were being interviewed by her. And I, this guy goes, Lincoln was a tyrant. And I'm like, okay, I want to listen to this guy because he knows, he knows. (laughs) So I listened for a few minutes. I caught sort of the tail end of everything that was going on. And I thought you would be a great guest to kind of back up, follow up Dr. DiLorenzo we had on the other week. And because of your love for history and your passion to, to bring out the truth of what went on in history. And so with that said, let me have you tell our audience just a little bit more about you, not just the book writer, per se, but uh, a little bit about yourself, and let's get into some of this history that some people may not know. Well, I, I, I don't know if your, audi- your audience might be more right-wing than left-wing with the uh, name like Sons of Liberty, I'm guessing, but uh, I have, and this is, uh, these are my platforms now, even though I, I'm pretty much far to the left. My hero is Huey Long. I wrote a whole chapter devoted to him in Survival of the Richest. Uh, John F. Kennedy, obviously, I started out with the Kennedy assassination, but the left has left me. So I find myself now being accused of being a white nationalist and everything else, racist, whatever. Wow, whatever. isn't that interesting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in the past, of course, I've been called a communist as well, too. So I am what I am. I'm populist, and I'm for the little guy. I don't like. I like to talk about what Alex Jones, uh, in his better days, used to call the fake left-right paradigm. I think it's it's more. You no, know, it's obviously. Uh, self-evident truth yep. out there that this is a, a, a fake left-right paradigm. So I, I am what I am. I get accused of being anything, but I, I've always been interested in history. And uh, the, my favorite era was always the American Revolution, the War for Independence. I got excited as a little kid uh, reading about it. Uh, Patrick Henry's words: uh, "I, I made an agree, not agree with what you say, but I'll defend to my dying day your right to say it." It stuck with me throughout life. As a young leftist, uh, affiliated with Mark Lane, who was a leftist civil libertarian, he was like my mentor, my idol. I wanted to be like that. I, I thought it was great to be able to have uh, such principle that you would defend, even if you hated what somebody was saying, you defend what they said. And that was the whole concept of the First Amendment. So I, I'm a First Amendment purist, so I kind of got started that way. And just seeing how the, the founders' uh, ideals and their system have been corrupted to the point now where it's it's uh, what you know way beyond what George W. Bush called the Constitution a piece of paper. We've gone well beyond that. Uh, it's an actual joke. We have a bunch of people that uh, swear allegiance to a Constitution they don't remotely believe in, let alone uphold. So uh, you know, and so you know, going after people like Lincoln, Lincoln is a sacred cow. Uh, even a lot of people that uh, liked me. We're taken aback by that, uh, but it is what it is. I mean, I think Lincoln is—he's uh, as the the secular saint of our dying civilization. We need to look at him uh, you know, very carefully because, I, unfortunately, he's a he's a very fitting symbol for this civilization because he was a tyrant, and the precedents he set during his reign of tyranny are still with us. And uh, you know, I, I'm fond of saying the 15 presidents before Abraham Lincoln, with the exception of Polk. 
Polk overstepped his boundaries with the war with Mexico. But uh, other than that, the other 14, regardless if they were Federalists or, uh, or Democrat Republicans, as they called them then, regardless of what they were, they stayed within their constitutional boundaries. Abraham Lincoln shattered those boundaries, created the first imperial presidency, and set so many precedents that we see quoted today. But it's, you know, what are you going to do when the, he's everybody's hero, the left and the right? Like, so it's, it's, it's a very hard task. And I, I'm a big fan of Tom DiLorenzo. I've read his books. I quoted them extensively in Crimes and Cover-Ups. So uh, we're definitely on the same page there. Well, and you know, you mentioned there the the fake right paradigm thing. We're sort of like that too. Uh, we're we're not sort of like that. We are like that. As you heard from the introduction, what we're looking for is who the the, the our foundation being the Bible, but the Constitution as far as the law that these guys are supposed to be held to. And like you said, they'll go up there, they ask for your vote, they spend millions and billions of dollars to get in there to put their hand on a Bible to put the other hand up to God and man and swear to 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 stay inside the boundaries of that small document. And yet, what do they do? They don't even know what the document is, let alone being able to fulfill uh, the oath that they're making. They're, they're basically lying to us right off the bat, and most of us know they're lying to us, but a lot of us will still go vote for them anyway. It doesn't make any sense any way around. No, absolutely. And you know, we, we have to face the fact that uh, our civilization has been transformed to such an, such a, an extent that, uh, you know, when we're, we're talking about the First Amendment, and we're talking about the Declaration of Independence, they talked about these rights uh, not being granted by government, freedom of speech, freedom of the press, freedom of religion, uh, freedom, uh, you know, from illegal search and, uh, search and seizure, all these things we, hold, we should be holding uh, as precious legacies. Uh, these were the founders told us, "Hey, these are not given; they're granted by your Creator." That's right. The, pro- the problem is in America today. I don't know what the percentages would be, but you know, there's a huge chunk of Americans that don't believe there was a Creator. Yeah. So they, they don't believe that. So what respect are they going to have to God-given rights when they scoff at the notion of the God? So, I mean, I try to get around that sometimes by saying, "Okay, well, let's talk about the, you know you're born with them." However you say they got, these are, these are, you know, you're born with these rights, nature, whatever you want to call it, but it, it doesn't quite work that way. And they, uh, they've obviously, as we can see from some of the things that have been proposed, the people that misrule us now, uh, they believe that government can make, uh, you know, it's the idea, I, I'm never going to give ground this, this, uh, this ridiculous Orwellian term, hate speech. Yeah, right. <laughs> once, we, once we started allowing them to bring that into the vernacular, uh, we, we started, and that's the problem with the crazy, most of the ridiculous Republicans, the stupid party. They give ground on this. There is no sense. If, if I agree. Such a thing as, if you, once you concede that anything is hate speech, you're already abridging free speech. You that's right. You can't have free speech with hate speech. So we need to we need to fight that all we can and, and understand that no matter what it is, you know, if somebody wants to go out and, and write and say that the, you know, the sky is polka dot or whatever, then they have the right to do that. But, you know, a lot of people don't think that you have the right to do it. And of course, we know they're not concerned about somebody saying something like that. They're concerned about people like me or, or you or anybody that's disputing parts of history because, uh, you know, as, as Orwell said, you know, who controls the past, controls the present, right. controls the present, controls the future. You know, that kind of thing where the past is very important. And if you can look back and, sh- and demonstrate all these things that we were lied to about, 
then you come to the present state where you have a bunch of people, you know, that, that don't know what our existence is. They're talking about flat earth or computer simulation because we've been lied to about everything. Yeah. So, uh, you know, once you see that history is a lie, then how can your present not be a lie? Right. And I think that's why we, what we try to do is we try to stick with what has not changed, what what is there. And, um, and, and, and that being the straight stick with which, you know, we judge all other things. And, of course, even both of those documents come outside of us. Uh, we're looking back in history on both the Bible and the Constitution. But I get what you're saying. I don't think probably, maybe we would be off on some other areas. I'm not really interested in getting into that. But I got to tell you, just from what you've said now, uh, I don't know many leftists who would go and say you have God-given rights. I don't know them that would say that and actually believe it. They might say it to deceive you. I hope you're not here to deceive me. <laughs> but, um, I, I, you know, I, I think you're pointing back to the same thing we do, is there's one standard here. It's not right or left. It's not Republican or Democrat. It's there's one standard here, and uh, and and this is what this is where we need to hold people because if you don't stay within that standard, then you jeopardize our liberties by going outside of that and usurp, usurping authority and things of that nature. So let's let's let me ask you a couple of things. In in writing, I noticed a couple of books. And by the way, I'm I'm I got the audio version of your book, um, the one on the the. Uh, Crimes and conspiracies deal. Um, crimes, excuse me, crimes and cover-ups in American politics. And, and I'm listening to that uh, as I was trying to get through it before then, but I, was, I had a chicken coop that was being built at the time. Um, but what are some of the things, when you got into history, what were some of the most shocking things that you uncovered that you had been taught one way, but it was actually something else? Well, I, you know, as, as a student of history, I, I like to think that I was pretty well versed in, uh, in knowing hidden history, which is what I write about. But while researching this book, a couple things. I first was, I didn't, you know, writing about the Civil War era, war between the states, war of northern aggression, whatever we like to call it more accurately. But uh, after that era, of course, you know, we had the onerous Reconstruction period, which I write about. Again, so most people now just kind of shrug their shoulders at that. But again, it, it had, uh, you know, resulted in the birth of the Ku Klux Klan and things like that. And uh, eventually it, it resulted in the Jim Crow laws. Was, you know, 100 years of, of, of racial discord. But uh, it never, I didn't realize, you know, and looking back, you talk about rigged elections, the election of 1876, where Samuel J. Tilden, who was a Democrat, and from all I've read, it seems like he would have been a pretty decent guy. He was completely robbed. He won both the uh, popular and the electoral vote, but he didn't have the majority of the electoral college. So they had, I think, uh, seven or eight states left that were in uh, you know, dispute. And they just simply created a, a congressional committee with an eight to seven Republican majority. So guess who won those states? You know, they just, so so the, the Republicans of the day, the radical Republicans, realized how over the top that was. So they gave the Democrats a big concession. The concession was we're going to end Reconstruction. So Reconstruction only ended because of the corrupt election of 1876. I did not realize that. Uh, even more importantly, uh, you know, having written so much about free speech and being a civil libertarian myself, I didn't know the exact history of when the First Amendment became officially, uh, you know, abridged, and that uh, was in 1918 during World War One, when you had lots of people, most of them leftists, uh, like the socialist Eugene Debs who were thrown into prison by Woodrow Wilson, a supposedly liberal president, for opposing his uh, war policies. And again, he used Abraham Lincoln's precedent of throwing untold thousands of Americans yep. and Northerners into prisons who disputed his policy during the, uh, the war between the states. 
So uh, the Supreme Court, it, this went all the way to the Supreme Court. Did Wilson have the right to throw war woman protesters? Now, certainly he shouldn't have had that right. But another great supposed liberal, Oliver Wendell Holmes, another eugenicist, by the way, as I've written in many of my books, all of these liberals were, were eugenicists. Right. But uh, he, he wrote, he's the one who invented the term, you can't yell fire in a crowded theater. And he used that to justify Wilson throwing those guys into prison. As I've said many times, however you look at that, Eugene Debs and the other World War I protesters were not yelling fire in a crowded theater. And that's what they use. So it's 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 very, uh, you know, disappointing to think that the, the Americans of that era accepted that. But again, Americans, I didn't know it. So and that, that's the problem is, you know, most Americans are historically illiterate. I, when I tell this story to people, a lot of the talk show hosts are, are kind of amazed, but it's true. That's where it came from. But so uh, that was something I was amazed to learn. And there's not much about history that I I don't know especially the kind of hidden, you know, conspiratorial type of history. But that really shocked me because I thought, wow, this is what they did. Just the fact that they got away. It wasn't something where someone had actually shouted fire in a crowded theater or something. You might say, okay, maybe that's a point. Somebody, you know, created pandemonium and people died or something. You know, maybe, okay, you could maybe argue that. But this was about protesting a war. And he used a completely uh, disconnected term. To, uh, justify it and and today people still parrot it and say you can't and uh what has superseded that now is the I, I don't know how many people i hear say well i support free speech but not hate speech and again every time you give ground <laughs> on that you yeah. can't give ground on that what is hate speech hate's a human emotion who's going to determine what hate speech is that's right you can't have free speech with hate speech yeah it's interesting to me uh they translated that over into hate crimes now because they gave them an inch there, so now they got it in hate crimes. And I go, what well, name name one crime that's committed out of love? Because there isn't one. You you hate the other person, so you steal his stuff, or you hate the other person and you kill him, or you hate the other person, you lie about him, or whatever the case may be. So all of it is born out of that. And you're exactly right. When you're speaking, it's not necessarily. You know, I I heard uh, Senator Chuck Schumer use that same thing when he was talking about restricting our rights to keep and bear arms. And he used the same thing. Well, you can't you're, yell uh, fire in a cl- crowded theater. And so that made the, the First Amendment's not absolute. And I go, well, wait a minute. Nobody, when I go into a crowded theater, nobody tapes my mouth up so I can't shout it. It's just if I shout it and it's not, if, it's, if I shout it and it's true, I can say it and it's legitimate. If I shout it and it's not true and it, like you said, it endangers others and it hurts others, then I should be held accountable for that. And so I say the same thing applies in the, in the Second Amendment realm. It's not in their job to restrict our, our keeping and bearing arms. What it is is to bring punishment, to bring justice to those who would use those arms to commit crimes in which they're taking people's lives, in which they're kidnapping them, raping them, whatever. The, but we don't get that, uh, Don. What we get is uh, a thin veneer of justice. We call it justice, and we put people in prison for however many years, three hots and a cots, and then their victims and their families and people who weren't even involved are threatened at the point of a gun to be thrown in the same place that they're in if they don't pay their property taxes to keep those rascals up. So I, th- I think the issue is is that we come center f- to the center, and instead of, again, looking for what sides we're on, we're looking at, here's the law. Here, here's what we're really dealing with. But I appreciate you bringing those things out. And, uh, you know, as John Adams, you're fam- probably familiar with the quote, 
There's nothing which I dread so much as a division of the republic into two great parties, each arranged under its leader and concerting measures in opposition to each other. This, in my humble apprehension, is to be dreaded as the greatest political evil under our Constitution. I couldn't agree with him more. What do you, what do you think? It sounds like that you're kind of in that camp, too, that why are we not sticking to the law here? Yeah, well, and, you know, George Washington felt the same way. George Washington, George Washington really uh, was disappointed and frustrated that already in those days people were breaking into parties. And I don't think the founders thought that they would have these parties. And certainly we can see how bad party politics has been for America because there is partisanship. It, it, it breaks down on mostly over, uh, you know, kind of smaller issues. We know on significant issues, especially war, there's always a war party. All these guys on both sides consistently support going into other countries and yes. you know, doing the kind of reckless things we've done and, and, and for you know, forever. Pretty much certainly since uh, the War of 1898 when we had the first false flag, and I write about that in the book as well. We have a history of that going back to at least then. But uh, on the, the and same thing like trade, and we saw that with Trump when, when Trump was his rhetoric, his campaign rhetoric, which unfortunately he didn't live up to as president, but his rhetoric was great. And when he started talking about tr- our trade policies and the senseless wars, uh, immigration, these were things that the, the two parties agreed on. No, we've got to have open waters. We want that cheap labor and the new voting block. Uh, you know, we've we've got to have senseless wars because that keeps the military industrial complex going. Uh, you know, we have to. We can just keep. You know, forget the infrastructure. Nobody, you know, there's no reason to build that up. The roof is leaking, but let's you know keep walking around the neighborhood and uh, criticizing other houses. That that's that's what we've been doing for too long, and I think that's why, to whatever the degree Trump was legitimate or whatever, I've written a lot about that. I think that's why there was so much opposition from the entire establishment because he was talking about things that had not been talked about for a very long time instead of the empty campaign rhetoric and the party rhetoric. These guys are party hacks. And so they, uh, I mean, you just watch the State of the Union addresses and things like that where you know, how many standing ovations can you get? Their party is, you know, my party right or wrong. And they, they justify the same things if it's their guy as opposed to the other guy. You know, they thought there was uh, there was fraud in the 2000 election, but you know, there wasn't fraud in 2020, that kind of thing. There's no consistency, and it's because they have a loyalty to party yep. over country. And if, if, if you just had the best people running, then you'd have I mean, it's somebody like when Ron Paul was running in 20. Yeah, I agree. He would have been elected, obviously, because he was qualified, he was the best guy, he had the most support, but outright fraud uh you know did him in there and again the, the failure to address all of those you know going back to 1876 as i mentioned so many elections we've had such massive electoral fraud i wrote a lot about that in history uh, failure to address it to even acknowledge it has resulted in where we are now where the uh the democrats are about to probably pass hr1 which is going to give the stamp of approval to vote fraud, and it's going to make it impossible to ever have any kind of a halfway uh, honest election in the future. Yeah, I question where how long it's been since we've had honest elections. You're exactly right. And we had uh, Don Blankenship. He was on, ran for uh, a president as constitutional from the Constitution Party. And uh, that was one of the things he, that was his sort of slogan that he uh, said while he was on the air. He said, uh, You've been voting red and blue for 170 years. Have you had enough yet? Don't waste your vote. <laughs> Don't vote the two parties. And I think that's that is sort of where a lot of people latched on to to Donald Trump was that he was saying things that a lot of people are were already believing and saying. 
And uh, but when you the further in you know from my perspective, the, when he started out it was good. That the further you got down the line, then you start getting into all this stuff that looks like he's doing one thing, but he's really just doing the opposite of it. And it, it's almost as though somebody has uh, obviously control behind the scenes of what's going on there. I don't know if there's threats. I don't know if if any of the other stuff I could speculate on it, but I can definitely see where there were things in the global agenda that moved ahead. But that's in our immediate history. And you're right. The, you've got, I was very critical of Donald Trump. And yet I said, look, it looks like there's a bunch of voter fraud going on here. And that wasn't because of an, a party affiliation. We lost all kinds of people for, for being critical of him and calling back to the, pointing back to the Constitution. But when you say this one thing, this is kind of fascinating to me. This, the, the, first, the first false flag, what are you referencing there? Uh, well, in 1898, uh, America, I'm, I'm f- fond of uh, talking about lines in the sand that America's crossed in so many times in their history. Certainly the first huge, well, the first line we crossed was the war with Mexico with, with Polk, which Abraham Lincoln opposed as a congressman, by the way, and said, said pretty much word for word what the Southerners would say when they wanted to secede later, when he stopped them from doing it. But a uh, huge line was crossed, obviously, during the war between the states and Lincoln's actions. But uh, internationally, First time America went outside the boundary, even Lincoln didn't try to take imperialism overseas. But uh, when they started wrangling to get involved into this uh, war with uh, Cuba and Spain, uh, they they had a, what they called the, the, the Maine. It was the USS Maine, and they claimed that the Spanish had sabotaged. And uh, as even the court historians acknowledge now, that was a lie. They lied about it. You know, as, as William Randolph Hearst famously said at the time, the inventor of yellow journalism, you just, you know, I'll give you your damn war. That was his line about it. Uh, and he did. He did everything he could to propagandize. We, we first started seeing the, uh, the propaganda in the Spanish there that would become so refined later. I mean, even though now historians admit the Maine was not sunk by the Spanish still, we went to war. We, we crossed that boundary and then the, war, it, the template was set. For World War One, when we really went global and Woodrow Wilson got us into a European war, a world war, the war to end all wars, and we had a false flag there as well, sinking Lusitania. Again, that was used as the pretext, much as the sinking of the Maine had, and we would see later with Pearl Harbor. They set off these false flags, get the American people irate, and the American people, unfortunately, the majority of them fall for the, I mean, almost word for word. The same kind of stuff over and over again. They don't question it, even when it's in, in the court historians themselves acknowledge that it wasn't true. And that's what they do about the Louisiana as well. They acknowledge now, well, yeah, okay, it was, it's true. It wasn't the Germans, but we still got in the war, didn't we? I mean, and then, you know, certainly I have in crimes and cover ups, I have a, a big section on FDR and uh, Pearl Harbor. And uh, FDR might as well have been flying one of the planes himself you know that, that attacked Pearl Harbor I mean it was that obvious and the evidence is everywhere but if you try to say it the court historians will ruin your reputation and uh, we've had people like John Poland who was a uh, Pulitzer Prize winning historian in good standing the court historians loved him and he wrote infamy which was uh, about uh, Roosevelt's chicanery at Pearl Harbor incredibly meticulously researched used things like you know, his age diaries and things like that correspondence between him and Churchill thoroughly documented doesn't matter he was called a Nazi he spent the remainder of his life the only way he could get any speaking gigs by the end was to speaking at the historical revisionist con- uh, conferences so wow 
you know, that's that's what happens. But, uh, you know, it, it, history is what it is. I mean, you can't, you know, it's, it, we, can, we can sit there and we can either try to get the facts or we can disagree with Napoleon. It's that history is a fable agreed upon. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you make mention of uh, something there. You said that, OK, this went on here and then the, the American people keep buying it because they keep doing it this almost the same way, word for word, to get us into foreign wars. And I think another faction of um, what goes on in politics is not only the warfare state, but the welfare state, too. Uh, so they kind of work hand in hand. In fact, Daniel Greenfield wrote a, a great piece in talking about how the rise of the police state happens almost simultaneously with the rise of the welfare state. And um, it's it's a fascinating thing. But in in saying that the people keep getting the same thing over and over with the wars that we've had, you know, down through the 20th century here, what about things like, and I don't know what, I know you see it, but there is a, at least some bit of history when it comes to vaccinations. Yep. And I just had a show the other day in which I went back. Um, Bradley had found a gem of a piece from Mike Wallace at 60 Minutes dealing with the swine flu vaccine in 1976. It was fascinating because here it is in 1976. They were pulling the same thing that they're pulling now with the coronavirus stuff. And they would go to the head of the CDC, and the CDC, the, that guy was lying through his teeth because they had documents and they had uh, doctors that informed him of stuff. And he says, I was never informed. I didn't know anything about it. Do you see any of that going on as well? Uh, or have you gotten really into any of the history regarding any of the vaccines and things of that nature? Of course. I mean, and if you if you read, uh, when you read further into Crimes and Cover-Ups, you'll see I have a whole section in there about uh, how skeptical uh, medical science was uh, at, at the beginning when vaccinations first came out. In fact, they tied many people tied them to the, the sudden uh, explosion of cancer. I mean, most people don't realize they they did a study. Uh, I maybe I don't know ten years. I, I have the 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 uh, source in, in the book, but they studied mummies going back to antiquity, hundreds and hundreds of mummies. They found virtually no evidence of cancer anywhere. I mean, cancer is a disease that really didn't appear until shortly after vaccinations were introduced. Now, whether there's a direct connection, I don't know, but it, it seems pretty suspicious to me. I agree. And, and we, when we look at, uh, the, especially this, the, the warp speed vaccination, which is, uh, you know, the, the idea that you would, if you, if you believe in vaccinations, well, you, they need to be fed, they need to be tested. Usually it takes years to test them on uh, animals and humans. In this case, uh, they bypassed all that. The warp speed thing, they put them right out there, and they are definitely covering up uh, many, many deaths. I mean, even prominent people like uh, Hank Aaron, Marvin Hagler, people like that that, uh, you yep. know, that uh, clearly died right after they got the vaccination. So, But they're discounting any uh, connection there, and it's the same media and the same medical industrial complex that has been caught, and I'm, I'm actually working on a book about the pandemic and the lockdown now, which, uh, so I've done a lot of research on this, and, and we know that uh, the, uh, how well they've, how, how obviously they have worked to uh, claim any and all disease was due to COVID. So they've done the exact opposite with the, with the uh, vaccines, where anything bad that happens after someone has a vaccine with other causes where it's, all these people died of other causes. Well, no, they actually had COVID. It's the exact opposite. So they're, they're trying to manipulate the numbers both, way, both ways. It's, uh, it's dishonest. It's a tyranny. And 
I'm not alone. There are other people on the left, like Robert F. Kennedy Jr. has done great work on this. Yeah. He's, he's very outspoken. Unfortunately, he's probably ruined whatever political career he had doing it. Uh, Naomi Wolf, who's another friend of mine who wrote the uh, forward to Survival of the Richest, the paperback for edition, she is uh, catching flack from the left constantly because she's talking about which, and she calls it biofascism. I think that's a great term for it. I think so too. What we're going through, but it's, yeah, we definitely, we should, and I think of this issue, more people are questioning it because you have basically, you have that 75 to 80 million people who voted for Trump. And again, I, I'm not, like I said, I, I believe Trump was an actor. I've written extensively about him, but yep. his, the the other side is so bad that uh, you know, left with a choice. Yeah, I think you're going to go and, and hope that maybe some of some he actually acts on some of his rhetoric because you know what the other side is going to do. Yeah. Nothing good. So uh, I'm accused all the time of being a Trumpster. I've lost tons of friends from that, even though I've been written very critically of him. Because I, I've exposed, I, I've written many things about the, all the uh, attempts they made to unfairly uh, connect him to the ridiculous Russiagate fantasy and the, the Ukrainian dealings, which yep. actually was a lot we've more done. Than we've Biden. done the same thing. We've done the same thing. Yeah. So I mean, you, so you know how that is. But we we are right now. I I believe, and when I talk about psyops, I think that uh, in the last uh, little over a year, we have seen the greatest psyop in the history of the world. I consider what what is going on now. Most a lot of it's called a pandemic. Uh, I don't believe it's it's remotely any kind of uh, dangerous virus at all. In fact, I'm going to have I have a radio show, weekly radio show. I protest, which is Fridays uh, from five to seven Eastern. I'm going to have my uh, guest tomorrow, Dr. Scott Jensen, who's a Minnesota state representative and also running for governor. And he's been very outspoken, and uh, he's the one that first pointed out that. Uh, the government is uh, paying hospitals a bonus for COVID diagnoses and paying even a bigger bonus to put patients on ventilators, which they've killed a, a bunch of putting them on ventilators because they have an economic incentive to do so. So there are people and lots of people out there that are uh, critical of this, and most of them are people that were associated with Trump because this is kind of broken down. That left-right paradigm is broken down on the uh, uh, the pandemic, pandemic, where the people who hate Trump for whatever reason, they're the ones that are clinging to this virus and wearing double masks and wanting it to never end. And I, I really don't know why it's broken down that way, but it has. But the people that like Trump are the ones that really hate the system and understand how corrupt it is. So they're the ones that are dubious of it. Plus, as, as conservatives, they recognize how bad economically it's been. I mean, to, to shut down things like this and, and destroy an economy, which is what they've done, uh, you know, and I, I'm still really unsure of what happens here. I when when it, when it started, I said I really didn't see an ending game. I still don't because it doesn't look like there's they want to end this ever. And I, you know, I, I have a bunch of friends on the left that are now talking amongst themselves, and you know, I don't even talk to them. But you know, so why should we ever take the masks off? They actually like this world that we've created. That's and, crazy. Uh, I, I don't like it because it's it's me. We're we're living in uh, Orwell's nineteen eighty four. I think we are too, and I, I think it's absolutely crazy for people to be doing that. I, I don't ask people for permission about not wearing a mask. Uh, I've only been challenged when I went over in the tyrannical state of North Carolina and uh, had a lady tell me, "Oh, we can't serve you because it's a law." That well, it's not a law. It didn't go through the legislature. The governor right. just popped up and said, oh, you, you can't serve people with this, that, and the other. And I said, don't try to stop me from buying my stuff. And they 
they pushed me out or they, they didn't push me out. They went ahead and sold me my stuff. And we had a conversation. It was respectful. But at the same time, so many people, Don, they, they don't know. They're ignorant of their history. Uh, that's that's one of the biggest problems I think that we have. You know, when we go to the scripture, one of the things that God warns about is he says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Now, specifically, he's talking about their of, of the law, but it's of their history of how, you know, we were talking about God-given rights. Well, as the, the creator who gave them was the one who protected the people. He was the one who looked after them, um, you know, and I could cite all kinds of passages about this vaccine thing. Uh, you know, where the life of the flesh is in the blood, Moses said. And he said, you don't mix that. You don't mix that. That is the that is the key component where these people are going to. And, and you said, you know, this has been going on for a long time now. We saw the uh, nurses and such in the Third Reich being used to kill people. And, and I got to tell you, we, we just did a, a thing here with Del Bigtree. And yes. one of the one of the things he was bringing out was this whole VAERS system. It's only recording about 1%, and yeah. as of today, we've got over 4,000 that are confirmed dead after this injection. This is going on four or five months, and if that's 1%, I mean, can you imagine, are, do we really have 400,000 people who have died in four months from getting the injection that probably never would have got a sniffle from the yeah. alleged corona? Yeah, well, and it's... it's and it's the problem is, again, that it's so many of us see this so clearly, but others, and I, I was at a party last weekend where we kind of, uh, and I, you know, I have a lot of fun at parties, you know, because so I, I don't hold back on my opinions. And most people like it, but uh, a couple of them were saying, what, you know, they, they trust the science nonsense. And I, I tried to get into that. It's like, and that's what it breaks. Out. I think that, you know, you obviously being a, a man of faith, uh, you see, again, when I talked about God-given rights and how, you know, maybe half of America doesn't believe that, you know, that, that there's a God. I don't, I don't know what the statistics are anymore, but I do know that there's a whole lot of people out there that don't have any faith, and certainly not in God, and they scoff at that, scoff at the giant guy in the sky. I hear it all the time. But they do have faith, and they, they basically have the same kind of reverence for science as a thing as God, and that has effectively become their deity. And so this production is being, you know, if you go back to the Middle Ages, it might have been produced by the Catholic Church. But this this is being produced by big science and the medical industrial complex. So the people that have put their faith there, they this is like a religious issue to them. I think that's why you're seeing so much emotion there. I mean, I I've, I compare it to the Holocaust when, you know, because they're, they're, they're calling us COVID deniers. I mean, they're 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 so emotional about yeah. it. Yeah, they get so upset if you question it. So look, I'm not, I'm not saying, I knew you know somebody's brother's cousin, uncle, you know that kind of thing <laughs> like you used to see in school shootings. I oh, I know somebody. Okay, 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 I understand. But you know, in this case, I, nobody's saying that people didn't die. My point is, what did they die of? I mean, they're telling you the flu is gone. Ninety-eight yeah. percent disappeared. So maybe the conspiracy theorists were right when they said this is just a bad flu, right? Mm. But uh, for whatever reason, they're not making the connections. I don't know how you can have any further conversation with people that aren't questioning the fact that the CDC is saying, yeah, I don't know what happened to the flu. It's just gone. Amazing. You know, what a coincidence. The same time this yeah. mysterious virus comes yeah. along. But you can't get past people's emotions. 
they know some old person that died. I mean, I know an old person that, 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 that allegedly died of COVID, but you know, he had a stroke first and they yeah. put him on a ventilator. So yeah. you know, he was over 80. So, you know, I think that's what, but trying to have a rational discussion about it, it's not easy. And it is very similar to like trying to have a, a discussion about politics with, with Trump in the middle. But you just can't do it. Yeah. It's, well, I think that's I, I think that's why instead of talking the politics per se, we use that term, but instead of talking about that, we get back to talking about the law. And when we talk about the law, then we're we're stuck with what the law says, and uh, and then complying with that. And it's not again, it's not a right or left thing, it's not a Republican or Democrat thing. We're talking about what the law says, and why does the law say that? Because it's eventually tied back to natural law and to nature's God or the creation's God, as as we started off with. And you know, I'll throw this in here. <clears throat> Because I, I, you made mention of it twice, and uh, you know people who who don't even believe God, they call themselves atheists. Some of them call them agnostic. There is no true a- atheist. I know that uh, because the Scripture tells us uh, real clearly this. This is Romans one verse twenty. It says, "For the invisible." Th- Let me back up a second. Verse eighteen: For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. Why is that? Because they're made in the image of God. For God has shown it to them. For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead. So they're without excuse. But that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, foolish. Uh, their foolish hearts were darkening, darkening, professing themselves to be wise. They became fools. And you're exactly right about what's going on here. They won't direct their worship towards the Creator and serve Him. They find something else, and it can be their own mind. It can be their own reasoning. It can be, uh, you know, the the science community. It can be they can be status to the core and uh, and want to worship at the altar of the state. And uh, I think this is really where I see stuff like, and I'm, I'm a person that believes the book of Revelation occurred in AD 70, uh, but I point back there to when these people run out about Mark of the Beast, Mark of the Beast. Look, yep. you're, either, you're either submitting to God or you're submitting to a tyrant. You're submitting to the law of God or you're, or you're submitting to the law of a tyrant. It's one or the other. There's, there is no in-between, and so whatever that tyrant is is going to drive you. I think you're exactly right in saying it is a religion that drives it. And I would go further. I would say it's been a religion all along that is opposed to law. I mean, it is a religion unto itself, and I could break it down a little further, but I think you were hitting on that, and I think that was a good point that you brought up. Well, yeah, and I, I, identity politics is basically a religion because it's based on feelings. It's not. It's not. It, how does it make you feel? It's not based on reason, and that's one of the problems we have in our society. You can't have certainly you can't have a judicial system uh, that's based on emotion instead of reason. Otherwise, you get politicized prosecutions like uh, my friend Roger Stone, people like that had, and it, you you can't have a system like that. But I think it's you know ironic that you know we're we're under threat of a vaccine passport. Which could bring on a new apartheid system in America with you know maybe unvaccinated bathroom try and, and water fountains. I, I don't think the left would blink an irony at all if that happened. But you, you go back to the Bible and what does it say? I mean, no one shall either buy or sell. Yeah. Uh, you know, without I mean, if that doesn't describe a vaccine passport, I don't know what would. So I mean, but again, nobody wants to. Again, the leftists rolls their eyes at anything coming from the Bible. It's yeah, you know. It could, well, because but I think it's because of this, Don. It's because they have their their minds are darkened, 
they, they think they're enlightened and they're becoming fools. I mean, the people who would be considered, and I, I hate to even use this ter- these terms again, leftists or right, whatever, you know, years ago, decades ago even, would not be considered that nowadays. I mean, you have to really be, you got to be way out there. And look, there are people on that claim they're on the right that do the same thing. They go right off the law. They push the unconstitutional wars. They push uh, the financing of all the corporations with the people's money, all of this stuff. There are people who do that, too, on that side. But the, but again, it's to bring people back to the law. If we don't come back to the law, it doesn't shut our mouth, and it doesn't shut the mouths of those who are violating it so that we can make things right. And um, with all that you've seen in history, we're, we're coming up uh, on the end of the show. we got about six minutes here. And I wanted to ask you this. With all that you've seen in history, would you echo the words that say that people don't who don't know their history and don't learn from history are going to repeat the same kind of actions? Sure, Santayana said that, and I think it's it's pretty obvious. I'm just talking about well, that's why I mentioned the false flags. Is that Americans, no matter how many times they're they're fed the same propaganda and they're demon. That's why when people try to blame any foreign country, whether it's Russia now on the left or China on the right. Going back to you know, going back to the the, the, the Kaiser in the First World War, the Nazis, uh, the dirty, sneaky, rotten Japs, you know, the uh, the Vietnamese, uh, you know, whatever. I mean, and, and obviously, uh, in, in recent years, the left, I mean, well, both the left and the right of you know, Osama bin Laden, uh, uh, Saddam Hussein, whatever. Any, I, I call them, you know, one of the great leftists uh, that I admire very much, the classical liberal H.L. Mencken. And he said, uh, you know, back in the 1920s or 30s, that practical politics is nothing more than trotting out an endless series of hobgoblins to scare the public. <laughs> and, and that's, that's, and that's what we have. We, we have an endless series of hobgoblins. And, you know, it goes back to the, uh, the Germans that were you know, supposedly bayoneting babies in World War One, And you go right to, you know, the, the uh, Kuwaiti ambassador's daughter, an actress, you know, testifying for Congress. Uh, you know, crying about the, the the babies being thrown out of incubators, and it's a, it's the same kind of stuff. They use babies, they use rape, pillaging, and it's it's to, to try to elicit an emotional response from people. And Americans fall for it every time. They're boogeymen. That's why whenever you know the right is you know saying China, 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 and certainly China looks like a horrible totalitarian society. The left is saying Russia, Russia, Russia. When they didn't say anything about them when they were the Soviet Union, look at the opening up to being right. out this. Morning. That's right, but. I don't think we can judge anything that's going on. I've talked to so many Cubans over the years. And, you know, they, they uh, you know, of course, so many of them hate Castro and said he was the worst guy ever. Others said, oh, he's really good. He gave the people a lot. Same thing with Venezuela, Hugo Chavez. You hear different things from different people. We're not in the country. I don't know. But what I do know is I know how bad our leaders are. And I try to keep the focus on that. But they have managed to keep the people's minds off all the giant elephants roaming around the country, the, the, the horrible medical system we have, the, 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 the incredible systemic corruption that's everywhere, the crumbling infrastructure, the, 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 the biggest prison system the world has ever seen, yep. the justice system. Just, you know, so many bad things we have in this country, but they always distract the people with those hobgoblins. Oh, we can't build the infrastructure now because we have to go over, you know, what about Syria? Yeah. What about the poison gas there? You know, and they're always doing that and people fall for it. And that's what's so disillusioning is that the people fall for it over and over again. And you can't talk sense to them. 
And they just, I, I remember during the, uh, when they were uh, Iraq and during the Gulf War, I remember talking to my family. I said, you know, you never even heard of Kuwait till last week. Now you're ready to send your firstborn over to die to defend it. You didn't know who Saddam Hussein was. That's the problem is people are so dumbed down. Yep. They're so unknowledgeable about everything. And they let these awful leaders manipulate and take a, take advantage of this. It's, it's basically like, you know, walking in. We're basically like a bunch of people walking into a used car dealership and letting the most reprehensible used car salesman <laughs> just just take us over, and that's what happens over and over again. And you just it, it's it's sad to see, but uh, and that's probably especially the last year. I become so disillusioned, even more more cynical than ever because it's I, I always knew we were in the minority, but I didn't realize how outnumbered we were. Mm. Until I saw how the the burning cities and the toppling statues and nothing, the authorities standing down, how all that was accepted, the pandemic and the mask wearing and the restrictions, and you know, I thought maybe things would open up at Easter when Trump said no, none of that. People accepted it all. Yeah. Now they're getting vaccines. They accepted the electoral fraud. Yep. Uh, they accepted the fact that none, none of the courts even looked at it. So uh, we're we're really, really outnumbered. We got a lot of work to do to try to wake people up. And I, I don't know that it could be done. I'd like to say it could, but I don't know. We know, Don, one of the things is, is we're not a doom and gloom uh, show here. Uh, we do believe in hope. Uh, of course, I believe my hope is in the Lord Jesus. And, you know, the Bible tells me that he's on his throne. He's subduing his enemies under his feet. He's been doing that for quite a while. And but it also tells me that he judges nations if they won't submit to him. And you've you've listed a ton of things that we as as a as a as a as a country uh, made up of sovereign states have allowed our representatives to to do. We've allowed it to go on and we're reaping that. And, and we point back to Deuteronomy 28, Leviticus 26 for these kinds of things, because God says, if you don't hold to these commands, all these things will come upon you. And I'm telling you, you can go down there and read them. You can point them all out in America today. You used to couldn't do that. I mean, you really couldn't do that. I remember growing up. I'm only 52. And I remember growing up and you would have just never heard certain things on on television, let alone in real life. And yet we, we have all kinds of, of things that are taking place now. And I think the thing that we come away from and, and that you've been bringing out is we just haven't learned. We haven't learned what's brought this on us, and we, we're in desperate need of repentance. You're, you're saying there's a lot of work to do. I agree with that. Don, you got about uh, 30 seconds here. Tell people where they can find out more about you, man. Well, I, I'm at Don Jeffries at Twitter. I'm still on there. Um, my blog is keeping it unreal, donaldjeffries.wordpress.com. I'm also writing on Substack now. So uh, anybody that comes over, I'm calling it I protest after my radio show. So I appreciate subscribers there. My books are available on Amazon and elsewhere. Bullyocracy is the latest one. I have a book on Chogas coming out later this year. So I, I do write about a lot of different things. But if you Google me, you'll probably search for me. You'll probably find out a lot more than you want to know. <laughs> That's usually the way it happens for anybody. Isn't it? <laughs> Don, I appreciate your time, man. It was a lot of fun and the hour went by fast. Uh, thank you for coming on. We appreciate you. And uh, guys, be sure to pick up this book, Crimes and Cover-Ups. I'm, I'm about halfway through it in the audio version. Crimes and Cover-Ups in American Politics, 1776-1963. Tomorrow, Saturday, 8 a.m. Eastern Time. Kate Shimrani, Dr. Kevin Corbett will be with me. Talk to you then. See ya.